listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Peter chapter 5, here's what the word says. Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you. Listen to the words. Shepherd. God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter, in that text, uses the word shepherd. And it's not an unfamiliar term when you're talking about the leaders in God's church and the leaders of God's people, for that matter. Shepherd in ancient Near Eastern terms is not a position of power. To be a shepherd was not something you just wanted to grow up to become. All right, shepherd was a smelly job, and it was a hired hand kind of job. If, you're, if you came from a wealthy family and your father had a flock of sheep and cattle, then you as a son might be the shepherd and you might tend to those sheep. But a shepherd was not just this position of power and grandeur, and it wasn't this, uh, this great place. It was just a smelly, dirty, dangerous job. A shepherd would know each one of the sheep by name meaning that he knew every sheep he had. He, he knew how many he had. He knew where they should be. He knew why they were where they were. He would check them daily from head to hoof. He would go inside the sheep pen and he would check the sheep and he would pull back the wool and he would check for, to see if they had worms. And I'm really going to gross you out for lunch. Uh, and <laughs> see if they were being attacked by the horse flies or by the bugs. And he would check their, their faces and make sure that gnats weren't collecting around their faces to get inside their bodies, get inside their brains and, and nest. And he would check and make sure that the sheep were just healthy and that they were safe. He would check their wool to make sure it wasn't matted because if it was matted, then there was a chance they were sick or, or they were just very, very dirty. He would pull beneath the wool and look at the skin, check every area of the sheep to make sure that the skin, it wasn't dry and it wasn't cracked, that the sheep were just healthy. And he would check them from head to hoof and it was a burdensome, dirty, smelly job. Not only that, the shepherd would risk his life for the sheep. Because a shepherd would make sure that the pasture that the sheep were in was, was a healthy pasture, that the grass was green. And if there were somewhere within the field a greener pasture, the shepherd would travel the journey no matter how long, no matter how dangerous. He would travel the journey first to make sure he knew exactly where the boundaries were in the pasture so the sheep wouldn't fall into the ditch so he could lead them well and he would make sure that if there were wolves or if there were bears or if there was anything hiding out to attack the sheep, they would attack him first and he would protect the sheep. And so he would go before the sheep and make sure it was safe. And he would make sure that the grass that he was leading the sheep to was indeed a greener pasture and that it was a healthy place for them to eat. And then he would check and make sure that there was adequate water for the flock. And it wasn't just to make sure that there was water. It was to make sure that the quality of water was good. And he would drink the water himself. His job in life was to make sure that the sheep were healthy and that they were safe and that they were growing and that they were thriving and that they weren't wandering off and that they weren't straying away from the greener pastures and from a healthy life 
Shepherds would often be killed. Shepherds would often be hurt. Shepherd wasn't just a very popular job. It wasn't a popular location. People would much rather own the sheep than tend them. Every now and then you would find an owner of sheep who would tend it, but it was very rare. So in Peter, when we read that, we hear this metaphor that elders are like shepherds and they're supposed to shepherd the flock. Well, that's nothing new. The text that we're going to look at today is in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Ezekiel is not the most popular book in the Bible. If there was a rating system in the Bible, this would be rated R at least. Because it is, at times, a gruesome book, really. And just so you know, when you read this, you're going to think this is kind of strange. But last year, in our shepherd's retreat, staff retreat, it was my first year here. And I opened up that retreat with this text. And this year, I opened up the retreat with this text. And you will find that this text is not a very encouraging text at all. See, what you have is Ezekiel is a man who was called by God, and he was called to be a watchman. And it had this image that he would climb on this tower, in a sense, even though he didn't. But it was this metaphor that he would be on this tower, and he would look out over all of God's people, and he would see the injustices and all the wrongs. And God wanted Ezekiel to not just witness it, but he wanted Ezekiel to speak to it. Because what you had here was God's people, Israel, had become rebellious. And, and God wanted these people to be uh, an instrument of love and holiness and peace. God wanted to work in his people's lives in such a way that the nations around them would see that God was indeed God. And, and that what made these people a just people and a loving people and a good people and a different people wasn't that they were loving, good, and just. It was that their God was loving, good, and just. And they were obeying their God. And so what you have is you have a people of God here who have nothing to do anymore with his commands. They, they're not living out his law, so they, they are an unjust people. They are an unloving people. They have taken on the cultures all around them, the nations all around them, and you can't tell the difference between God's folks and, and everything else. And it's just a mess. It's just a mess of a place. The widow and the orphan are abandoned. The poor are poorer. The rich are richer. And the, and the, 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 the violence is there. The, 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 the classism is there. The, the the racism is there. Everything about it. All the isms are in existence in this context. And not only that, the leadership is corrupt. The leaders of God's people are corrupt. As a matter of fact, the shepherds, which is what God calls his leaders, they're corrupt. And so God has a word. And it's a at first, a very scary word. It's going to be a long reading, so Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, talking about Ezekiel. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, wear the wool, butcher the fatlings, but you do not tend the flock. You've not strengthened the weak. You've not healed the sick. You have not bandaged the injured. You've not brought back the strays. You've not sought the lost. 
Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd, and they became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and every high hill, and they were scattered over the whole face of the earth, and there was no one searching or seeking for them. And God has an indictment. He looks at his shepherds, he looks at his leaders, and he says, you know, you guys have forgotten everything that I called you to be. You're not even caring about the rest of my flock. You're not leading my people. You're seeking your own good. You're concerned about yourself. And as a result of your concern, my people are lost. They're all over the place now. And, and you're ruling them with a heavy hand and with violence and cruelty. And so now I've got people all over the mountains, all over the valleys. They're just all over the place because you have lost sight of who they are and, and who you are. And he says, you're not even looking for them. The wounded... They're not bandaged. You haven't bandaged them. The sick, they're just getting sicker. The strays, they're still wandering off. The lost, they are still disoriented. In other words, God is saying, my people have bought into the lie that there's something better than me and no one was there to tell them otherwise. No one was there to show them otherwise. And so now they've pursued these other gods and these other ways of life and this other fulfillment. And you, my shepherds, you do not care. And so verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live the declaration of the Lord God, because my flock has become prey and food for every wild animal since they lack a shepherd. For my shepherds do not search for my flock. And because the shepherds feed themselves rather than my flock. Therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Look I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and present, prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves. For I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. Now put yourself in our elders position. We're at an elders retreat. And we open up with this text. Because it expresses deeply the heart of God. The heart of God for his leaders. But the heart of God for his people. Because see, today's conversation isn't about our elders. Today's conversation is going to be about our God. And his heart for you. We could have a series on what this means for leadership. But we need to know something about our God. That is grand and as big and as beautiful and as powerful and as fearsome at times and as, as majestic, as unexplainable, as unimaginable, as unfathomable, as all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present as our God is, listen to the heart of our God in this text. See, we live in a world that places a lot of stock in leadership, and we should. Our country places a lot of stock in its leaders, and we should. 
Corporations and, and workers place a lot of stock and a lot of trust in their leaders of their corporation, and they should. And yet you hear stories in the news of a CEO or an executive branch of a corporation who decided that they would just get the gain for themselves. And Joe Smith, the, the factory line worker, shows up for work one day. All he's trying to do is take care of his family. All he's trying to do is get his kid to school and take care of his wife. And he shows up to church and, or to, to work and, and there's no more corporation because Mr. CEO has jacked the whole company up and now it's Mr. Joe Smith that suffers. It happens all the time. And you, you look at citizens of a country and we trust our leaders to do the right thing and, and we trust them and yet we find at times... What we find in a country is distraught because its leaders are distraught. See, we live in a society and a world, and we always have. We put a lot of stock in our leaders, and we should. Because when you look at the text, it's very clear that leaders are called to lead. But they're called not to lead for their own good and their own benefit. They're called to lead for the benefit and the good of the people they serve. You can be a leader, and anybody can be a leader, but not every leader can be a servant. Good leaders become good servants because they understand that they lead for the good of the people. And see, that's always been the case. But the reality of life and the reality of Scripture and the reality of the world is sometimes leaders fail. Sometimes leaders miss the mark. And this is what's happened in this story. And see, we could talk about that, and that could be the message. What it means to lead our homes, what it means to lead in the church, what it means to lead in this world, what it means to lead your children. We, we talk about that, and we can look at this and reflect a heart and learn what it means to bandage the wounded. And, and that would be, I think, a healthy conversation for us to have too. But see, there's something true about this text. That when leaders fail... When people fail, God never does. And he doesn't just sit idly by and watch the people he loves suffer. Listen to what he says. Verse 11. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloudy and dark day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their land. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them with good pasture in their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. There they will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lay down. This is the declaration of the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured. I will strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. See, God looks at his suffering and his wandering and his broken people. 
He looks at a world uh, where hunger is prevalent. He looks at a world where disease is real and where sickness and suffering and disappointment exist. He looks at a world where his beloved, and by the way, in Jeremiah, God calls his people the love of his life. And so he looks at a world, at the love of his life, and he sees the suffering and the hurt of hearts, and he sees the plans that go unfulfilled and the plans that were made that just fell through because this world is a broken place. And he, and he sees people wandering around like sheep without a shepherd and he doesn't just stand idly by he says I will do something then I will look for them I will pursue them I will not only pursue them I will gather them unto myself and I will bandage their wounds I will offer healing to the sick see he looks at your life and he sees where you are and he sees where your plans are have failed and where your plans did not go the way you hoped. He sees the divorce. He sees the death. He sees the disease. He sees the broken relationships. And he doesn't just see. He moves. He moves to pursue And he pursues to gather. And he gathers to bring you in. Into himself. And he brings you into himself. To bandage the wounds. To heal the sick. To find the strays. To rescue. To rescue the lost. So this is our God. This is who he is. And he is a God who says, I will do it myself. And yes, because he is God, he will say in verse 16, and I will judge the fat and the strong. I will hold all that makes the things wrong in this world accountable for making it wrong. I will hold my bad shepherds for making it wrong. When the fat and the strong are just getting fatter and stronger while some of my sheep are getting leaner and weaker, God says, I will do something about that. I will execute justice on behalf of the broken and the wounded. He will not just stand idly by. See, because he's a shepherd too. And a good shepherd knows his sheep. And a good shepherd doesn't just know his sheep from afar. A good shepherd climbs down into the pasture where the sheep are. And a good shepherd checks every sheep from hoof ahead and he knows every nick and every cranny he knows every secret of your heart he knows what you're thinking right now he knows the doubt some of you feel in your heart the very prospects of this truth he knows the joy he knows the peace he knows the sorrow the disappointment he knows the excitement he knows the praise he knows everything right now that he is coming inside even of this place even inside of you and looking around and wanting you to understand That he is the shepherd of your soul and he's the shepherd of your life. And he knows you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he knows you. And he knows what he plans to do and wants to do in you, for you, and through you. He knows. He knows what week you had last week. 
He knows what week you'll have next week. And he knows what it's going to take inside of your heart to strengthen you to live through that week. Because he is the shepherd. And so he goes down in the same story. And he says in verse 22, I will save my flock and they will no longer be prey for you. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will appoint over them a single shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And what you hear in this text is a prophecy of Jesus because Jesus comes from the Davidic throne. Jesus comes as the king of kings, as the one who comes through the line and the lineage of David. And so God himself says, I will, mark my words, appoint a shepherd who will shepherd you with love and gentleness. He will tend you. And his name, his name is Jesus. And he doesn't stop there. And he says in verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them and eliminate dangerous animals in the land so that they will live securely in the wilderness and sleep in the forest. I will make them in the sea around my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in their season, showers of blessing. The trees of the field will give their fruit and the land yield its produce. My flock will be secure in the land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. They will no longer be prey for the nations and the wild animals of the land and will not consume them. They will live securely and no one will frighten them. I will establish for them a place of renown, renown for its agriculture, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land. They will no longer endure the insults of the nation. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people. This is the declaration of the Lord God. You are my flock the human flock of my pasture, and I am your God. This is the declaration of the Lord. When you read in Scripture where he says, this is the declaration of the Lord, the word declaration in Hebrew means this is an unalterable truth. It will not be changed. And the shepherd says he will lead his sheep. He will lead his sheep. And he says he will lead your life. If you surrender and allow him to, he will lead your life. You may feel as though you're wandering around brown grass and dirty water. The good shepherd will call you to a greener pasture and clean water because that's who he is. You may be in the valley of the shadow of death, but a good shepherd will walk you through the valley of the shadow of death. Sure, he may not eliminate the valley of the shadow of death like we wished he would, but he will walk you through it and help you find rest because that's who God is. He is the great shepherd of his sheep. And there will be a day, as he said in Ezekiel, when no more harm can gather against God's people. When nothing but peace and life will abound. 
There will be a day that where no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more hurt, and no more injustice, no more starving children, no more disease, and no more abandoned widows, and no more lonely orphans, and no more fat and, and strong versus weak and lean. None of that will exist. There will be a day when all that has been made wrong will be made right. There will be a day. And in the meantime, in the meantime, living somewhere between the tension, the kingdom of God is very present. The king is still sitting on his throne. And the great shepherd of the sheep is still calling out for your heart, asking and begging you to trust him with your life. If you can trust him with your soul, with your salvation, Surely we can learn to trust him with our tomorrows. And so, several hundred years later, the great shepherd comes on the scene in John chapter 10. Jesus. And this is what he says. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out by name. When he has brought all his, da- his own outside, he goes ahead of them. And then the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. And they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Verse 6, Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand what he was talking about. I mean, how could they? It's a big metaphor. Verse 7, so Jesus said again, round 2, I assure you, I am the door. I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and life in abundance. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired man and doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. As the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life. For the sheep. And then he says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. See. The truth of our God. Is that he knows us. He knows. Your doubts. Your fears. Your anxieties. He knows your struggle. He knows your pride. 
He knows that secret sin that you would not utter to a soul. He knows the way you really treat your wife, the way you really treat your husband. He knows what you think about your wife and your husband. He knows what you think about your classmate. He knows what you think about your neighbor. He knows what you did yesterday in quiet. He knows what you're planning to do tomorrow in secret. And yet, despite all of that, he is still pursuing you. He is still calling out your name. He still wants you to understand that nothing you reach for and nothing you find will be greater than him. Because he knows where the greener pasture is. He created the pasture. He knows the water. He knows what you need. See, the truth is, the thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy. Death comes to destroy. Death is a thief. Sickness and suffering and betrayal and sin. Sin. It all comes to steal our joy, to, to, to rob us of our peace, to destroy our hope. That's what the thief does. And, and all the false leaders and all the false things in our life that we're reaching for that we think is somehow better than God and better than the great shepherd, all they want to do is still kill and destroy our hope, still kill and destroy our joy, still kill and destroy our souls if it can, still kill and destroy our love, still kill and destroy our marriage. And the tragedy is we find ourselves in the same situation as the people of Israel that we're still pursuing these things as if somehow they're going to make it better. And they're just not. And so the great shepherd of the sheep is calling out to his people. And he's calling out to this church today. No matter where you are and what you've done and where you've been, he's calling out to you and he's saying, stop. Stop pursuing the things that are going to break you and wreck you and rob you. And listen to the voice of the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. And he knows you. And he loves you. And don't get me wrong. There have been times in my life where I've been eating good green grass. I'm talking like, this was the life I always wanted, green grass. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm snacking on this grass. It tastes good. The water tastes fine. The, the scenery is beautiful. It doesn't smell so bad out here. I got the house I wanted. Got the life I wanted. Got the job I wanted. I'm wearing the clothes I wanted, even though some of you give me a hard time for my green sweater. I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my time, and I'm eating my grass. And, and then yet, the good shepherd has the audacity to come to me and say, I want to move you from here. And I'm thinking, but I mean, this is good green grass. I mean, have you tasted this stuff? I mean, this water is good. I mean, you know, I'm not going to fall into the ditch. I know where the boundaries are. I mean, and, and yet Jesus is coming and he's saying, but, but I want to move you to a greener grass. See, the question for me the question for you, the question for the people who listen to Jesus, the question for the people of Israel, the question for the shepherds of Israel, it's the same question. Will you, will I, will we trust the good shepherd? Will we trust that he may not take away the valley of the shadow of death, but he will lead us that we may not know what comes around the corner, 
but He will lead us around the corner if He is leading us there. No matter how good the grass tastes in your life right now, if the Word of God brings conviction or if prayer brings conviction or godly counsel brings conviction or God whispers to your heart and He asks you to move or to take a step in a different direction, will you? Will you trust the voice of the Good Shepherd? Will you trust Him enough to walk forward and trust Him that the grass could indeed be healthier for you? Because it could. Or if, perhaps for some of us, the good shepherd comes to you and says, hey, this grass that you're eating is exactly what I want you to eat right now. Don't go that way because over there is brown grass. And yet we see it and it looks pretty and beautiful over there. We see the sun sparkling off the water. And we say, but, but Jesus has got to be good over there. And yet Jesus says, no, 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 I've been there. I want you to stay here. The question is, will you trust? Will you trust the good shepherd? Because see, the truth is, he created life because he's still God. And if he created life, then he knows best how to live it. And he created you to have life and life to the full. Perhaps what needs to change is your definition of what full is. But one thing is certain. Jesus knows you best and loves you most. And he wants to be the leader of your life. He wants to lead you. Will you hear his voice? Will you hear his word? Will you commune with him in prayer? Will you rest? Will you hear his voice? And will you follow? Let us be a people who believe and trust the good shepherd, even in the darkness, in the cloudy days. Even when the sun is shining and all things are beautiful and bright, let us be a people who trust Jesus is our shepherd. Let's pray. 